0: Welcome to the Fourth Guard podcast. We don't have a name for it just yet, but it's the f- by the Fourth Guard brand.
1: I still reckon Kevin and Gregory's funny, but then, like you said, it'd be very confusing. So. Yeah,
0: considering <laughs> I'm Hayden, you're Josh, neither of us are Kevin or Gregory.
1: <laughs> Only in character?
0: Yes. I mean, Radio. we could do a podcast in character eventually.
1: Oh, that would, I don't know how I'd go with that. I it'd think be I'm,
0: so confusing.
1: I'd spend half my time laughing. As soon as Kevin opened his mouth, I'd be laughing.
0: So a little bit of, little bit of backstory. Um, Kevin is a character that I created before I knew what D&D was. He's a druid. And I made the voice up. So, like, the voice is mine. Like, there's, it's not inspired by anything. I just decided to start speaking like it. And it's just a little bit weird. He just likes trees a little bit. And, like, it's really fun to do just in the middle of, like, a really intense scenario. It's like, do I see any any walls with any markings on them at all? very entertaining to DM also I can imagine it very like distorts the train of thought
1: <laughs> yeah that's probably the serious serious situation multiple people attacking
0: oh there's a tree <laughs> how many trees do I see do I see four I like trees <laughs> alright so do you want to discuss what fourth guard is for just a little bit Um.
1: so long story short we started about I think it was August last year and it was mostly about I'm um, I mean, another guy named Jared and basically the the email and messages that went backward pretty much went along the lines of d and is a niche market where most people see it as a generic thing, where it's the quote unquote nerd thing and the nerd base for people to go be together. And I literally said, it shouldn't be. And Jared agreed and long story short, we started Fourth Guard as a community and basically pushed forward to take that niche market away from that stereotype and make it acceptable for pretty much anyone who wished to, or, you know anyone that even wanted to give it a go and just you know see where you end up see if you end up liking it if you do you do you don't you don't again dnd it's not necessarily the niche market part it's just sometimes it's not for everyone but 90 percent of people will find their foot whether it's in creating stuff for dnd or yeah. it's creating stuff for dms or creating characters or playing or however people find their feet. no matter who what where they are really
0: yeah because it's it's everything from people who like math i don't understand them but i'm sure they do like they like math they like the character creation like the world building there's so many aspects of D and also like the community like the painters the artists the um the people like for example i started painting the minis and then i was like cool i want to get invested in that community mm-hmm. and it's crazy the amount of detail that people can do like oh yeah there's, there's a difference between painting something and then putting shadow on it like mm-hmm. actually making the colours on one side of their face lighter than the others because that's where the light's coming from I'm like how does that like I failed art in school like that's just flat out I don't understand how people can sit there and go yeah that's where the light's coming from yeah,
1: light's here shadow goes here darker
0: colours there. Um,
1: yeah, no me either um, I don't even think I've never painted a mini in my life but I would find that very
0: difficult oh we have to that. we have to do an episode where it's just me teaching you how to paint something oh
1: wow that, that could be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know. They're so small. Like act, it's
0: very, very. Um, what's the word? Intimidating. Yeah. To Seems, start, yeah, that's. But I like. I picked up one, and I was like, the the ones that you, when you when you start to paint them, you know the ones that are bad to paint, and the other ones that are good to paint. Like for example, capes are awful. If there's a slight gap between their back and the cape, you're gonna get the back paint on the cape and the cape paint on the back. <laughs> you can do several layers because it's just so hard to get in those little cracks. But it's I just know. also like patience and all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah. I don't have a lot of patience. It's, I don't That's know. Really it's so exciting. Yeah, like, i, I got to go with exactly what you said that the whole intimidation part, that would, it is very intimidating. You think something that small and the details you see some really good painters put in and it's like minute and you yeah. see they're like, how how did you even see what you just painted? Let alone, how do you have a brush that small? you know, like, yeah,
0: yeah, no, nah,
1: it's, it's yeah, probably not for me.
0: But <laughs> you got to give it a go. I, would, I, I will happily give it a go. You got to yeah. give it a go to respect the people that do it. Yeah, oh, hell yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I already look at it and go, uh, it's beyond me. Like, but yeah, no, it would be a very interesting one.
0: Um, back to on topic on hand, the fourth garden name. It's a bit. It's not very the name itself. <laughs> I've I've questioned where it came from, what it is. So
1: long Long story short, um, it came from a night with a lot of d d players sat around, we played a game, we're having chat, a few beverages afterwards and things like that. But long story short, it's... I can't remember what culture they said it was. I think it was Japanese. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this. But long story short, they said that in the military and so on and so forth back in the day, they used to have an army of people, like as you've seen uh, big wars on movies and stuff, they all rush together. Supposedly there's like a, a method to their madness where there's a few people that actually are quote unquote meat shields that go in front to block. And the fourth person who is to be part of the contact, they would be their best fighter or the guy that had the rather the biggest sword or the most skill with the sword or something like that. And they would be the guy that did the most damage pretty much. So they were the fourth guard that was okay. in a line now whether that's a story <laughs> about true mythology or true like history or whether it's a something that actually happened in a DD game i don't actually remember but either way it's a really cool story about you know a real powerful guard that was like you know basically put forward to be like the fourth guard the best fighter the best you know in his industry so the guy that he's you know, you're willing to sacrifice three people for him to be do the amount of damage that he would do, so
0: yeah, very similar to chess. We let the pawns go first, the meat shields Pretty go, much. Out, and then the people that know what they're doing, the people that are yeah, experts 100%. in their field to go, All right, cool. Now you just rain hell.
1: Pretty much it, 100%. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so going on to discussing what this podcast is because the fourth guard is all about the community focus, it's all about. Getting people into the same building, talking about D and D for hours on end, playing, experiencing newcomers. We've got people coming in, going, I don't know what the second D in D and D stands for. <laughs> I've got no idea what like what is it. So going from the fourth guard community, the podcast, like what we want from the, what we want from this podcast.
1: Um, I guess it's more just a, a further branch in the way we can take our like a brand that we've built, as I said, over about five months now, six months, and making it something that people can listen to. Because obviously, you know, in our community down here in Rockingham, we've quite, you know, everyone knows about us. There's a lot of information going around about Fourth Guard and what we do and how, you know, we're bringing new people in. We teach DMs, we teach players. We, Jared's running, um, learn to create character sessions. And then I'm looking at doing learn more, learn to DM sessions and all different things like that but then there's other people outside Rockingham that haven't heard of us. So this is kind of a way to get all that information out to everyone. And, you know, saying, yeah, it's about the community, but it's not necessarily about Fourth Guard itself. It's really about Dungeons and Dragons. As I go back to my point about Dungeons and Dragons being a niche market, it shouldn't be. And the more people that give it a go, there's more people every day that just give it a go, try it out, love it, and then, don't realise why they've spent all that time going, oh, d d nerds, d d nerds. You know, it's yeah. It's not that. It's about give it a go. Like, you know, give it a chance and you see where you end up. Like I said, if we, like, we're one community, there's communities in Midland, there's communities in Joondalup, there's communities everywhere. And like I've said to everyone, like, I don't care if 100 people join Dungeons and & Dragons and I get five of them in Fourth Guard. That doesn't matter to me. Dungeons & Dragons have gained 100 people. And that's the really the important message that yeah. we... and you know, most other groups should be getting across. It's not about who's got the most people, about who's got getting people to play Dungeons & Dragons. That's really what it's about.
0: Because there's that many things about Dungeons & Dragons that interest all these little people. People are like, oh, I get to... Um, for example, my friend really liked performing, but it was a down part of his theatre group. So, like, they weren't performing anything, but it was just all of a sudden, he got to play a character every day, or every every week or something like that. Yeah. So it's all... It's just, there's so many things about D&D. Yeah, 100%. yeah.
1: Just, it's not just a rock up and play a game. The community's just a bunch of people you you know might walk down the street and never sit next to at a bar, but then you can come into Dungeon Dragons and it's, you know, in our venue, there's everyone. There's, you know, yeah. like I'm a drillard then you've got a guy that's a tech, like a computer tech. You've got another guy that's a PT. You've got another guy's that. And it's like, no, it stops the whole stigma of, you know, I don't want to go sit next to that guy because he could be this. It's like, no one cares. Like, you're here to play your character and your character doesn't work anywhere in Perth. Your character is, you know, who you're playing at this moment and who you're sitting next to makes no difference.
0: You're all here to roll dice and do magical damage. That's it,
1: 100%. (laughs) D20s.
0: (laughs) If you're not here in Rockingham, you can still get involved in the podcast and all that kind of stuff because we're recorded out of Rockingham, but we're on Facebook We've got emails now. So you can send in your questions and we can answer them. There's so many ways to be a part of this community without actually physically rocking up and being a part of this community.
1: Yeah, like I said, um, I've been a damn for a very long time. And like the whole community started, as I said, with me and Jared and I taught Jared, not really much, really. He already had his 90% of his bat behind him before I even started. But, you know, do whatever he wants. And he's, I think he runs something like five games... Fortnite now like yep. just ridiculous and all different stories in each place and like all these massive deals and like you know that's the kind of thing you know that's just a, not a service it's just you know i've taught someone a dm and now he's taught another guy and then he's taught another guy and like we started this community five months ago with me and jared and i taught jared and now we've got I think we've got 16 dms now and every single one of them except for a, about four that have just heard about what we do and have come over and helped us Um, we've trained all of them and that's kind of you know we're not here necessarily to say hey come play for us but if you need got questions you want to ask you got you know all different information we can give you I had a guy once message me on Facebook and say hey I've got a question about this I've got a problem player what would you do I'm like mate are you free for 10 minutes for a phone call you know 20 minute phone call later (laughs) we found out it's his brother that plays a game and likes to stir the pot in the wrong way or something he's like oh do I just kill his character off I'm like are you going to delete him from your game? Because if you're not, he's going to make another character he's going to play and he's probably going to do the same thing. So yeah. just find ways to reward people that are doing the right thing and find ways to not necessarily negatively punish someone. But, you know, if they're not doing the right thing and they're doing something that's holding up, find the way to make them realise that that's time-wasting and, you know, you need to yeah. you know make sure you just DM it the way that you can make everyone happy but then not let that person interrupt your game at the same time.
0: Yeah, it only takes one encounter to lose a limb anyway, so. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> you yep. stir in the pot? Ah, stir it with one hand. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah you cannot no longer um, grasp that. You've only got three fingers. <laughs> yeah. So now we'll go into some questions that we've actually been asked on Facebook and some discussions that have been put forward for us to discuss and put our two cents into <laughs> the pot with. But one of the biggest questions is with... Um, Campaign-wise, it's homebrew versus by the book.
1: Good old homebrew. Um, my biggest thing on homebrew is homebrews aren't overpowered. It is the people that create them yep. that are the problem. Is probably the, not a the right way to say it, but people who create them have to realise that they're a base character that's been made filthy. Yeah, like so you're making something that you don't actually know whether it's overpowered or it's not. So really, pretty much every homebrew character that's ever going to be made will be a little bit filthy in a way in its first chance. It needs to be play tested yeah. And you have to figure out what works and what doesn't. And there will be changes. Like no one can write a perfect homebrew that doesn't take any changes. Like I played a Loxodon Anti-Pally and it was awesome, really good. It hit level three. All of a sudden I could do 200 and something damage per turn at level three.
0: Yeah, it's not That's really, no. Just a little bit too much. Just Probably should ev- look into that one. Yeah, it might
1: look into that one. But like until you hit level <laughs> three, there's just too much extra stuff. So I don't know who created it, but whoever did, um, they've just...
0: Made it to level two yeah. and called it a day.
1: Yeah, they've just like <laughs> done as much as they could. Like but the, all the ideas and the stuff behind it were awesome. Like a disease blade, the necromancy side of it and all that. Awesome, but just unbalanced. But then that ne- isn't necessarily intentional. Because the damage wouldn't be that bad. But then I chose to play Loxodon, which has advantages in strength and big strength bonuses, which yeah. makes everything even more powerful. So it doesn't necessarily... like If I played a maybe a Dwarf, probably not going to be as overpowered, but still would be overpowered.
0: Yeah. That's the thing that makes homebrew hard, difficult and hard to do. So like you've got to account for so many different variables. Yes. Races, subclasses, feats magical items, and then not even take into consideration what your party already has. If you, if your character doesn't need to worry about a certain thing, because there's, I don't know, for example, healing, your character doesn't need to worry about healing. There's two healers. All you need to focus on is doing as much damage as you can every round. And if your character can focus on that, they're going to, if that's the homebrew that you've chosen. Yep. Or if you've got a magic item. That means that you can cast, I don't know, two spells instead of one. And all of a sudden you cast two spells in one turn and those two spells put together are just awful. Because it, it, there's so many variables. There's, yeah. there's so many numbers in D&D that just throw it all out of whack.
1: Yeah. 100%. I like when, when you do homebrews, you really like, I do a lot. I'm, I'm the guild master for our homebrew community, but it's just very, I don't know how you say it. It's, you've just got to find what works for you and make sure you know what you're creating is going to be overpowered and finding the ways to make you nerfed and Mm -hmm. then overpowered here if you want to try to make that but that's the thing with homebrew it is a lot of try you know you come up with something awesome cool put it in a game and as Hayden's already said if you put that um with the right wrong class or wrong that where you have to don't have to worry about that healing and don't have to save your spell slots it could be 10 times filthy you know it could be amazingly filthy but if you don't have that healing it could be underpowered
0: yeah, because you need to worry yeah. about healing people.
1: Yeah, cause so you're not you're not saving your f- seven spell slots you've got sitting there. You're saving four of them for damage and three of them, two of them for healing. So it ends up working that you don't have that overpoweredness where you can just cast ten spells in one turn. You know, so it's it's very here and there. A lot of DMs just no homebrew. No, no. It's just like, sometimes it's just
0: too difficult to yeah. have to worry about. Yeah. But homebrew if if someone came to me and said my favourite character is this from this person from this book that I really, really like, but they don't fit into any category in D&D. I'm like, well, let's find it. Yeah, I guarantee you some other person yeah. was in your shoes two years ago, played D&D for a year and went, you know what? I'm going to write how this character would work. And they've yeah. written it, put it on Pinterest, put it on anywhere. Yeah. And then I'd now you can say. just find it.
1: Yeah, it, exactly what you just said happened to me probably two months ago, Troy from my monday game he come to me and he's like i want to play the character that pretty much is prince of persia exactly that character the demonic yep. style you know half demon kind of you know abilities where your arm turns all crusty and you know then your sword gets bigger with your demon things and it turns into a whip all of that type of stuff like six and a half hours i had it done wrote it up got it done sent it to him he play tested in my game little bits of things we had to The whip was, the damage I put on it I thought was okay, but it ended up being way too much. (laughs) We had to change that. And then the fact that the whip then did flame damage as well at level one, two, three, we thought that's probably a bad idea. Maybe we make that a level 9 thing where you should have that damage. So like I said, it's not about, you're not going to get it right the first time. You're going to make something that you think is balanced and it's going to be overpowered in some way. You know, But in saying that, it can be underpowered as well. You just don't really know until you try. But that's the best thing. If you've got a group and DMs that are willing to give it a try, but you have to go into that game with the knowledge that this is not perfect.
0: You can, you yeah. can be nerfed mid-fight. Yeah,
1: you could be in the middle of a fight and go, oh, I'm going to hit this guy. Oh, there's 100 damage. Your DM goes, 100 damage? No, you are not doing 100 damage. And you can't go, oh, but that's how I built my character. It doesn't work like that. You you have to go into it knowing that you could be nerfed due to something that you may have not looked at and figured that, oh, this isn't a lot of damage, like I just said with the guy's whip. Oh, yeah, cool. Oh, you did 60-something damage at level 5 with one whip attack.
0: All right, now I'm going to roll again to see do my other attack. Yeah. It's like, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah, now I'll
1: do my second attack. But no, it's not... Yeah, you have to... If you're going to make homebrews, you can't be salty at DMs for saying, hey, that's overpowered. Because yeah. if it is, it is. And you have to just have to know, it's easy. It's like go back to the drawing board, have a look at that ability that is overpowered, change it, nerf it down, so on and so forth, take it back to your DM, try again. But that's the thing, you're never going to get it perfect the first time. Play yeah. it, play test it, see how you go. Yeah.
0: Like I played my first ever homebrew character through and through the other day. I played <sighs> an awakened ape, totem of the ape, barbarian. Yeah. It was just so much fun. I had yeah. an absolute blast because, like, all of a sudden, I've read, like, all the races, all the classes, all that kind of stuff through and through. And then all of a sudden there was this one that I was like, all right, I'm going to take it all the way back and relearn a race, relearn a subclass. And it was just... It was a character that I had just finished watching all the Planet of the Apes movies. And I was like, that would be so cool to play in D&D because all of a sudden you're just this this ape that has got intelligence now and you're understanding how the world works. Mm. And it was so much fun. And, yeah, I just... Highly recommend at least giving homebrew class, race, anything like that, give it a try because once you try it, your eyes open up to, all right, what's next? Yeah.
1: Like even even if you want to try half and half to start, like don't always go, oh yeah, I'm going to play, you know, uh, anti-paladin, on. You know, then you've double homebrew. Half it, go, you know, like I've got someone, this guy who's starting the Monday game, I've got coming this week. If he starts, he's playing a druid moonfolk. Yep. So he's playing a moon druid. Folk character and the moon folks levitate. I said, You need to do it because it's going to be funny. Because if you're a moon folk and you're levitating and you turn to a bear, you'll be a levitating bear, it'd be funny as hell. Yeah, you know, he's like, Oh, I don't even know what a moon folk is, but I'm like, Have a look, just you know, give it a go. If you want to play vanilla characters, play vanilla characters, that's fine, you know. But if you want to give something to go outside the box, he's like, Oh, I want something a little bit different, you know, a little bit that not everyone's just going to go, Oh, yeah, that's an elf. I want something that someone's going to, if I walk into a town, they're going to go, I think
0: that's an elf or is
1: it what is that you know? yeah or what yeah. is it yeah like something that may gives him a little bit different and that adds to role play and like in yeah. in all my games that's my dedication anything you can do to make players role play that a little bit more or anything is always a a good little additive to it and you know having that opportunity where someone's going to walk up to go. No offense mate but what are you you know <laughs> then you've got the whole backstory where you've got oh well, i'm actually a moon folk you know so on and so forth it gives you that opportunity for especially a new player to have to describe what he is and the best part is he only has read what he is really so unless he's you know gone back and read the history of a moon folk he's only got a half idea as well which makes yeah. the, the banter between the npc and the pc very like interesting and kind can of end up being quite funny really
0: yeah but like another thing with um, another thing with homebrew. Like there are certain certain DMs that are like, oh no homebrew whatsoever. Rules is written as completely down the line. That's how it is. But adding a little bit of homebrew to your campaigns is always really good. Like for example, um, homebrew rules. Like uh, I know there's three different critical like through three different critical rules. There's the buy the book where you double the dice that you roll. Whereas I played my first campaign, we played that criticals were the maximum you could get plus what you roll. So it meant that if you rolled a critical, it was huge because all of a sudden you're about to do so much damage. But if they roll a critical, you know they're about to hit you with the might of God. So it was that level of the in-between stage of just changing rules a little Mm. bit to make them a bit more fun and just... Because there's nothing worse than when you get a critical and you roll all ones, mm. and he's like, "Cool, I do two damage yeah. on a critical hit."
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you just love, love that. that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and another another um, homebrew rule uh, is uh, potions is a bonus action rather than an action.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: Because there's nothing worse than going, "Oh, it's my turn now. I'm gonna drink a potion so I don't die." And then by the time it's your turn again, you've lost the health that you gained plus yeah. more from the health potion. So it's like, yep. why would you? Why would you even drink the health potion? That's a-
1: yeah there's, there's a lot of rules that like can be changed like well, i de- i've damned for a long time and i used to follow the rules and then as i've gone along you, i just modify the rule modify some rules and now I, these days i'm to the point like like my druid example is probably the best one like i don't play druid as i don't cast what's it called wild, wild shape. shape wild shape is not a spell when you're a druid in my games it does take an action if you're in combat obviously but does not take an action, no, sorry, does not take a spell slot to turn into an animal. Or oh,
0: it doesn't take a um, wild shape use. Yeah. So it's where right. it says like you've got two uses, you just say just, you can use uh-huh. it as much as you want.
1: Much as you want. So if you're in combat, it's not like, oh, I'm going to turn into a bear. Oh, now I'm going to turn into a wolf. It's not that. Once per turn, you'd be able to change, but then you wouldn't, that would take you your action to do it. So you'd only have your bonus action to do whatever you wanted to do. Yeah. So it it works very well. and I. Like, it's just common sense. Like, in, in I find it very strange that if you're a druid and you've trained to be a druid all your life and then your main ability is turning into an animal, but then you can only do it once a day or twice a day. Yeah. It's very strange to me. Because so it
0: still has the boundaries of the CR rating and the. Yeah. Um, you'd have, like, the common sense of, like, I want to turn into a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It's like, yeah, well, you're a dwarf that lived in a mountain for 40 years and you've just left it. How would you know what that is. Yeah. Like you wouldn't know what a snow, you wouldn't know what a snow bear, a polar bear is. Snow yeah. Bear. Polar bear. You wouldn't know what a polar bear is. So like, like you, yeah. Is there to be some, f- like, I really agree with that. Like you have to be able to see it to know what it is. Yeah. You have to, be really able to, you have to, be able to have see it, it. it and understand yeah. the, what, like, what a polar bear eats, what it like, yeah. survives in, all that kind of stuff. Because yeah. there's no way you can turn into something and go, I've never seen this before, I'm going to turn into it.
1: Yeah, 100%. Definitely have to have some. And th- that again, that adds role play opportunities. Cause, okay, yeah. oh, I'm a dwarf that lives in the hill. Oh, I'm not to turn a size Rex. Cool. How do you know what one looks like? Role play. Give me an idea. Give yeah. me a story. Give me your elaborate. And like, even if they're lying their asses off, if you give me an yep. awesome, elaborate backstory about how you've accidentally teleported through time and gone back and seen a T Rex, but you went back through your portal or some elaborate story that's really good, you know, hell yeah, you can be a bloody T Rex, yeah. you know, maybe not a giant T Rex, but you know, a smaller size T Rex, you know, something that's not completely overpowered, yeah. and it's very, you know, it just gives people them opportunities. And like I was explaining, like druid, the best ever. I've had had a campaign once where I think I think they were level ten or twenty or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but with druids, I had two in my party. One was an NPC, one was a PC, and I said, all right um the first druid says i'm gonna fly up there and then um just sit above this dock so big wooden dock at the back of this place i think it was in water deep if i remember correctly and so i'm gonna just fly up there i'm gonna overlook and then i'm gonna telepathically say back to my brother who's also a druid you know this is how many people's here maybe we should just charge them or something like that and the whole story ends up going that She's like, oh, I tell my brother to turn to a rhinoceros and just charge the right-hand side, and I'm going to try to fall on these guys here. So like, this all happens, but she decides, oh, I'm also going to turn to a rhino. And I'm like, y- you're five feet in the air, sorry, ten sorry, feet in the air, and you're currently a bird. You want to turn into a rhinoceros above a wooden dock above water. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> okay. All right, well, you do it. There's, You're not even going to roll. There's no way a two-ton bloody rhinoceros is going to be able to hold up a dock that can barely hold you know 200 kilos so yeah you're definitely falling straight through into the water oh yeah how many of them do i take with me i'm like oh you're <laughs> gonna take at least four i guess you know you're pretty big she's like all right so are we in combat yet no oh okay then i'm gonna as soon as i hit the water shark
0: uh, <laughs> all right
1: all right this is interesting Cool. So anyway, so all this happens. She does this, falls through the dock. Her brother runs up, charges. And she's like, you've got to get him every single bit that he's hitting. He's got to try to knock them into the water. Because as soon as he gets to the end of the dock, he's going to jump off and also turn into a shark into the water and we're just going to eat them all. And I was like, shit, this is like a 40-minute campaign I had set and they're going to do it in like 10 and they're going to eat everyone that could have helped them. All right, that's cool. It just... (laughs) just gives a massive, like, elaborate story where you've got that opportunity to just change, 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 you know. Yeah. Something, like, you'd be surprised. I run it in about 15 games I've done in my entire life, and not one person has just abused it and gone, oh, bear, now I want to be a tiger, now I want to be this, now red. Not many people do. Most of them will just sit there and go, yeah, I want to, like, drop bear happens more than you could think, you know. Oh, fly up and sit (laughs) in a tree. Oh, he's there. I drop bear, black bear, straight on top of him. Yeah, like that happens a lot, but that's, that's funny and it's good yep. role play and it yep. gives someone the opportunity not just to worry about, oh, I'm a druid, I'm all about spells. Yep. It gives you the opportunity to invent a way to kill someone. Yeah. You know, I want to turn into a squirrel, climb up his shirt and then turn into a bear. Awesome. Yeah. like funny.
0: Use, use animals to your advantage rather than just be uh, someone who has polymorph at early levels. Yeah, 100%. That's how I looked at it. I was like, cool, so you just get polymorph at early levels. Yeah. But you can only do it to yourself. Yeah. But now that there's like infinite uses, it makes it so like you want to be a druid because they're the only ones that can do that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So it's a bit more exciting and a bit more, there's a bit more to it. Yeah, And like, like you said, the possibilities are endless. Oh yeah, yeah, very. Uh, I don't even want to imagine crawling up someone's shirt as a squirrel and turning into a bear. Yeah. That'd be, that, uh, how, would you, how would you enroll for that?
1: <laughs> you, you, you don't, You're like you, I don't know. The only time I've ever had someone do it, they're wearing just a shirt okay. So I'm like, if you're wearing just a shirt, that shirt's just going to rip open if you're transforming into a bear. That's easy, you know. Then you're right on top of them pretty much, you know. So you have a free attack or something like that just for that extra... The creativity. Yeah, the creativity, the creativity of it. Like, you're not just going, oh, I just want to turn into a bear and charge him like everyone else. You've just gone, oh, this, now I'm on top of him. And, you know, it's it's very inventive yeah. and it's very fun to have people that using their imagination instead of just doing the generic I turn into a bear and charge, you know. So
0: there's, it's it's... D&D is what you make it. And I feel like it's a lot more fun when you can say like, look, I go to hit and it's like, all right, cool. They parry it and then they go to hit and then you dodge out of the way. It's like a bit more to it than just I swing my sword at him.
1: Yeah, 100%. I,
0: I, I miss, oh, not my turn anymore. Your turn. Like it's, it's it just becomes so like, you kind of, you, you don't want to spend your brain activity to think about what that was because you're just like, oh, cool. You just swung a sword. That was it. Yeah. The creativity and the inventiveness of your actions and your movement and all that kind of stuff is what makes it yeah and I feel like in, in this building I walk past people doing uh, like different tables and they're just like either going over the top and they're just like oh I do this big thing I change and I transform and it's just it's so good it's so wholesome to watch
1: yeah I uh, as a DM my favorite thing to say to any spellcaster is what's that look like yeah yeah, I, go, I cast your spell what does it look like when you do that do you cast it from your hand do you have an elaborate action do you you know, is there something? Yeah. And, like, you get some funny things where people, like, you know, clap and all these other things and you're like, and then like, oh, cool. So you clap your hands and all of that and, like, it ends up becoming part of the story because all yeah. of a sudden you're in a quiet room but your spell is to clap. Yeah. So now you've got to clap and try not to wake up the room. So roll stealth for your clap. <laughs> your spell. You know, just yeah. a little extra fun bit you can add to the game which is just oh, so good. Yeah. So, so much fun. And like, just if you can get your players to stop thinking that they're, oh, you, like you said, I swing my sword. You, know, you don't want that. You want I'm, you know, I'm gonna try to hit this guy in the leg to try to knock him and knock him off this and so on and so forth. And like I said before, if you get a good enough story, like let it go. Like my best example, like I think it was two weeks ago, one of my players, he had a, he plays his his own character, but he also plays his sister in the campaign, mm-hmm. and he decided that oh, they're playing against a heap of rock goblins, pretty much like little. Guys, oh, I'm sorry, golems, not goblins. Golems, and um, he's basically like, oh, so this rock golem we had, he only had about ten hit points by my account left, and he's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll roll this, blah blah blah. He's like, I do six. I'm like, all right, what's it look like when you do the six damage? And he gave me a description of, oh, you know how I've been hitting him a few times in this place, and there's now a hole. I'm gonna get my sword in there, and I'm gonna start wedging bits of rock out and try to dislodge this thing, and gave me a like almost a five-minute elaborate detail of how he's going to dislodge all these rocks that create this goblin to make him legless, pretty much. Yeah. And, like, it was such a good description. I'm like, yeah, he dies. Like, done. Like, you've as you've done exactly what you said, you've done. He's crumpled to the floor. and And, like, that's the kind of role play I personally try to get my players to look at and move forward to. And, like, that's really, like, it's quite rewarding as a DM if you can get your players to basically tell that story yeah, for you in a way, like
0: it's yeah. very good. You can take backseat and go, go off. You just yeah, yeah. Tell me what happens. I'm, I'm, I want to be the the child in bed listening to the story now. It's yeah, your turn. Hundred percent. That's <laughs> the one. And what, another question we got given was party splitting. The I don't know, like the pros and cons of it. The the what do you allow party splitting? So I
1: I do in a way, but it's normally not far, but. It's really a bad thing. Like there's there's nothing, like certain, sometimes you will have to split a party just for little details or puzzles or things that you can kind of work out. Yeah. But normally they're controlled situations like that a DM has yeah. created. Yeah. Not a player that's gone, oh, I want to go over there and see what that guy's doing. Everyone's I want to take like, this
0: I, teleportation circle to the other side of the country while you guys go to the other yeah, side of the country.
1: 100%. That's the kind of stuff. It you know, it's just makes it super hard for a DM to try to keep track of it, number one number two, if you have done that, okay. And then if you get yourself into trouble, what, what are you gonna do? Like, yeah. you're by yourself. Like the bit, there's a campaign that i listened to. Someone fell into a pit of acid when they split the party, went off by themselves. They fell into a pit of acid, took damage where they were unconscious. And then they're in a pit of acid that no one can pull them out of. So you die, your character is dead. And you've created that just because you decided to yep. go for a wander down the wrong alleyway. And you know, anything like, DD is about the game, it's about the players, and it's about, you know, the campaign of people staying together and creating out these puzzles slash, you know, missions that your DMs created. You really don't want to party split really anyway. There is certain things, like I've done campaigns where it's like, oh, you two are trapped in this room or you two are trapped in this room. But that's a created situation that's created by me. Yeah. And then if you're a DM that rolls on a table like I do, I don't roll behind a DM screen. um, rolling a table and if you decide to split the party and go off and do something and I have to roll dice against you and I win I, I can't lie about a dice on front of you if I'm saying oh it's a 20 odd oh, but he's minus 50 it doesn't work like no. that it's, it is what it is and if you're gonna you know put yourself to the situation where you're gonna do it you've, your consequences can be you've lost your character you know yeah. and you don't really want that
0: no whereas the other side of the coin it's like like for example if you know um you're the member that you have got in the party. They're like, oh, look, like when we usually do this on this day, I'm going to be away for two weeks, but you guys to keep playing without me. It's like, well, you just, you and somebody else leave the party. And then while that's happening, you do two different sessions. Like, so you can promote splitting the party. And it makes it a bit more, um, if for example, you have two people, two characters that don't, never really have one-on-one conversations. All of a sudden, they're stuck in a room where they've got to solve problems together. Yeah. And they are forced to A, get along. Yeah. B, put their differences aside. And C, get out of the situation.
1: Yeah.
0: 100%. Like, it's. I would love to watch two people that have their characters, like, one hates goblins, one is a goblin. Two of them put in a situation where they've got to work together. So I should do I'll that with,
1: with Dodds and Rain. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a Dodds,
0: Sorry, and, Dodds and Rain. <laughs> <laughs> those are two characters in your campaign that um
1: yeah kobold that hates demon and the other one is a half demon yep yeah
0: so he hates half of him not all of him yeah half only, of half, him. only half only yeah. half that's, that's, that's a good works. start that works um but I've DMed sessions where people have split but it's like along the lines of one person wants to go talk to the blacksmith the other one wants to go talk to the fisherman yeah but
1: that's that's safe yeah it's it's, it's an environment where it's like
0: yeah. alright cool you can you can split the party yeah. it does not do a single thing yeah but there's also been times where one person's gone into a room that's got a trap door like a door behind them that closes and the other one has to watch them fight in a pit that was supposed to be for both of them yeah and it's like oh, okay so yeah they're just like I'm not gonna go in that room I'm gonna stay back he can go first and he walks in doesn't see the pressure plate steps on yeah. the pressure plate door 100%. closes and they're like how do I get in the room I'm like you can't lift a four-ton door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the one.
1: Yeah, that's all okay. right. There, there is there's pros and cons. Like you know, like I said, if it's if it's a DM splitting a party, it's, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. A DM will do that. Like I said, you can do that. Split them into rooms, put people in situations that their characters don't get along, and see what happens. You know, it's always fun yeah. and entertaining. But for a player to split the party in a situation, like you know, in the end, there's nothing bad about it. You can do it. There's not, no problems. The, just the problem becomes if you put yourself in a situation where you're by yourself taking on a bloody red dragon or something, your yep. character could die. Yeah. So it's it's I don't know. There's no badness in, to it. It's really you do you. That's the whole thing about you having your own adventure and choosing how you decide to do it. But you know you can't get angry at anyone for doing it and yeah. the character dies.
0: Yeah. It's just really hard when, for example, it's like there's a riddle and you think it's left and everyone else thinks it's right and you're like. It, it has to be left and you're just like oh I guess we'll just go right yeah. because you you feel like if you split the party and something happens it's on you yeah. so it's like alright cool you going to go with the like it's a voting system and that kind of yeah. thing because if, a if way. you if you decide I'm gonna go this way and split the party you are the bad guy in that situation in a way yeah yeah so it's just it's just difficult sometimes where you just have to you just have to pick your battles and go you know what let's go into the trap why not I yeah. know it's a trap you don't that's fine
1: yeah yeah definitely
0: Another point of discussion is homebrew campaigns versus book campaigns. What do you? What's that face for?
1: I don't, I don't run book campaigns at all. So
0: is that out of uh, you've run them before and you're like, mm, or is that just? I've I've never
1: I've never taken a book, even taken a book and just like taken the you know the bare grit of what's in there and made a campaign out. I don't really do that. I come yeah. up with pretty much mostly my own stuff, but. In the same fact, I have all the books, every, every single one for Five E, except for the newest two I don't have yet. Mm-hmm. But um, I've read them all. Like, don't get me wrong, and they're great stories and written by awesome dudes. But I more like to write my own stuff because the way I uh, DM is very, I don't know, probably strange in a way. I just <laughs> I don't I don't really have big elaborate stories. I have a start and an end, and the middle I tried to get the players to do it. So I don't really do along that line, but yeah. it's more. Yeah, I guess it's more... Um, oh, the books are great. Like, don't get me wrong. Books are great and they bring And what's his name? Chris is running... Is it Dragon Heist? I think he's running Dragon Heist. Isn't he running all of them start to finish? He's running Dragon Heist at the moment. Yeah. I don't know what he's running. I was Like I said, I was super jealous. I want to be in there. Like, I've been running Prince of Apocalypse. I've done that once with my Ranger, but I want to run it with my Monk. Uh, Prince of Apocalypse is like level five. Yeah. But
0: but it's just, it's just like... It's just, everything's there for you and you can just go along the story. And it just sounds really good to just yeah. be along. Like everything's there um, and you can play it eight different times and yep. they're all different. For example, Curse of Strahd. Yeah. That one is known for being, you could play it 14 times and every time it's different because yeah. it all depends on card readings and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 100%. So they've written it in a way that it's the the playability is there. Yep. The constant like keep going keep playing it over and over and over again obviously you'd get used to it and you'd know the ins and outs yeah. of it if you played it 14 times of course okay. but it's just they've written so well
1: yeah oh yeah yeah I, I don't know who wrote the newest ones but there's a lot of the older writers are so good they're still good yeah like, all the original books from back third edition and fourth edition and oh not really it was a fourth but third and second edition is so so well written and so really in-depth detail and quite easy to rather follow the story or take what you want out of the story and make something. But yeah, I've, I've played... like My favourite thing about the books is like, I love doing them as a character, not as a DM. But as a character, I'd love having the whole thing where you can chat with a guy like, oh, have you, have you ever been through Tomb of Annihilation? And then you can have that whole chat about, you know, this is, oh, we got to this room, what happened to you guys? You know, yeah. just, it's like making your own campaign and playing it multiple times with like just running the exact same campaign with three different groups and just going, oh, wow, they didn't do that. And all of a sudden uh, a little trick that you had sitting in there since the start when you wrote it four years ago, you run it, you know, then after that for the brand new group that have no idea about anything. And then all of a sudden they've gone the complete opposite way, killed something different and not killed this and found things that no one even thought about investigating.
0: Difference in roles, difference in
1: decisions. Yeah, 100%. I just – Find that the really cool thing, and especially about the books as a player, I always love talking to people. Like it's like you know playing World of Warcraft or something on them lines, where you go, you know, "Did you finish this dungeon yet?" You know, it's kind of like that. You know, your big mythics and your big um, achievement list. You can have pretty much the books. Are you like yeah. your achievement list? How have you achieved them? How'd you get through this? And rah rah. And the conversations are just endless,
0: yeah. which is great. Like I'm playing, um, playing one of the f- uh, one of the first, like the starter campaigns like level one to uh, five i think it is yeah. and it's um oh, something to do with mining or something like that i can't remember which one it is but there was one cave and for example it goes it goes up some stairs and there's a hole in the roof and we went up the hole in the roof rather than up the stairs and we did the entire cave backwards so by the time <laughs> you go to the end he's like calling for reinforcements and we're like oh mate we just killed the reinforcements before we even came to you so it's like that encounter became so different because uh-huh. we'd already we were already beaten to hell and back by the time we got to him. Yeah. So he was like, because like, he was the goblin, um, hobgoblin or something like that. And he yeah. called reinforcements and no one came. And we're like, oh, oh that's who oh, we just killed. Them guys, he's <laughs> yeah,
1: <here's> his head.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was just it's just knowing that that could have gone so differently, and the yeah. next time you play it, it's gonna be completely different. Yeah,
1: that's. That's, that's my favourite thing. Like, I've got my set story that I like to run that's like about 15 episodes long and I come up with new stuff every week just to modify them or even just make something completely
0: new. Yeah. Keep something fresh for you as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's just, it's so entertaining just to see, oh yeah, oh, no, they've done this the same. Oh yeah, this is the same. What are they doing? Like, <laughs> they know, you know, everyone else figured out that that's a lava pit and they're going to go, okay, yeah, cool, you just go left. Fun. Yeah, good stuff. Let's <laughs> yeah. see how this goes. Yeah, well done. Keep going
0: there. You know, it's, you don't feel warm at all. Yeah. <laughs> very, very fun. That's the, that's the best part. It's like it, you never, you can never predict what's going to come out of somebody's mouth next. Yeah, of and course. And it's always someone just sitting there, just minding their own business. And then they're like, oh, I'm going to speak to this guy. You're like, oh, yeah, you just speak to him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pull a knife on him and like, interrogate him. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. You're having a <laughs> polite conversation. What's going on there? <laughs> what did he do? Nothing, I just... No stuff. <laughs> I just want more information. Yeah. And like other players are sitting there going, what? And the DM's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> shock, shock. It, there's nothing will ever beat when a player just stuns the entire group with some weird, like... like you just don't expect people to think like yeah. that. Like someone you just meet that's like normal person, you know, that's all yeah. and all good and well until they rip off a goblin's arm and <laughs> stab them with their own arms and yeah. their bones. It's like, Dance. oh, oh, so that's who we're dealing with. Yeah. That's cool. That's great. That's fine. Yeah.
1: A lot. Yeah, <laughs> it just gives the people the opportunity to be whatever they want. Yeah. And then like some people are just, you know, inside lovely little people and make these crazy little people and then other people are want to murder everything. Yeah. That's just, just great. <clears throat> like you just never know what you're getting.
0: Yeah. Very, what very I find fun. with like character creation, what I find is the best. It's you pick something about yourself and you put it into that character. Mm. So I've played characters where he's like the caring person that's like he will do as much damage on the field, but as soon as it's all finished, he's like, "Is everyone all good? Like, is everyone yeah. right?" Before he's not the one to search for loot first, whereas like the person that's like the thief is going to go over and loot everyone. Oh, but yeah. He's like, "Is everyone okay? Does everyone need healing or anything like that?" But then there's like the other ones where it's like I get to just be like there's a um, swashbuckling rogue I get to be gruesome I get to like stab someone in the back grab their arms and rip them out of the back of their body like it's all it's just like you get to just live out like weird things that you just want to do yeah and some people take it too far and some people just uh, play it on the right line
1: yeah that's that's the one (laughs) Uh, nah it's always fun stuff
0: yeah I think that's that's all the questions we got asked on Facebook so where can they find us at Facebook?
1: Uh, Fourth guard, tabletop
0: yeah. We're a group, join group. it yep. Get involved join. Even if you can't come down to Rockingham Just get, in, just join the group It's always going off People are sending in memes about Dungeons and Dragons You sent one about a spider wearing pants <laughs> Yes like How would a spider wear pants? Would it go on the back two legs? Would it go on all the legs? Would it be two sets of pants on either side? Yeah I was like, alright
1: yeah, Inspire posted the one about the Brontosaurus With a tie yeah. whether it would go at the top of his neck or at the bottom of his neck uh, yeah. I posted I posted that I shared that off Inspire and that was weeks and weeks of arguments it was funny as hell <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: that's just that's what the community is yeah. it's just people arguing going no I think the uh, bronchiosaurus or the brontosaurus wears the tie at the top of the head or the yeah. bottom of the head
1: yeah yeah all the funds
0: but um, we wouldn't be able to be doing this without Inspire Radio they're yeah. provided the venue that's where we are they inspire radio is all about providing a platform for people to tune in and listen to some inspiring stories and how to how to deal with the ever-changing world around them so thank you inspire radio Um, we've also got other sponsors like shooters bay shooters bay you can find them at shooters-bay.com or on facebook at shooters bay they produce handmade beard oils that'll keep your skin and beard moisturized while softening it to the touch loaded with masculine scents and only natural ingredients serve developers you can find them at servedevelopers.com custom tailored website designs beautiful logos and advertisements highly effective marketing tools so you can get your brand out there and they have dedicated project managers to help you do what you need to get done servedevelopers.com commission crypt minis you can find them on facebook commission crypt minis they are miniature commission painters they paint everything from DD, warhammer models and terrain to custom made models and everything in between so you can get your mini printed by them and they'll paint it for you as well done right hobbies you can find them at DunRightHobbies.com. they are the number one source for all things hobby including the epax line they are dedicated to providing you with the best 3d printing with an emphasis on quality affordability and they're locally owned stocked within perth australia